This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to episode 23, Foodie Sites. Well, welcome once again to the Catholic Foodie. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, you know, normally when I do this intro with the music and everything, I, 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 t- I make all kind of promises. I tell you what's going to be on the show, and uh, you know, I think just about every time I get to the end of the, sh- end of the show and I think, oh my goodness, I, I didn't cover this, I didn't talk about that, and uh, so, I mean, I'm almost scared. I'm almost scared to, uh, to tell you what the show is going to be about. But as long as you understand that uh, I could be off on what I tell you, then I'll give you a hint as to what, uh, what I'll talk about. Uh, first of all, we, I'm going to just give you a few thoughts, not much. Uh, I did this last episode, uh, the book, uh, God Help Me, How to Grow in Prayer. Uh, I am going to talk just a bit about that and, uh, and try to keep that down, though. I spent a lot of time last episode on that. Uh, also, finally... I am going to get that recipe for red beans and rice for you. Uh, see what else we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming. Well, there's an event coming up, and it's coming up very, very quickly. And I want to remind you of that event. Uh, also, I want to share with you some of my uh, foodie sites. Uh, there are a number of sites uh, that I frequent, and I want to share those with you here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, by now, I'm sure you all know that there is a very special event coming up in just a few days. In just, I can't believe it's almost here. Uh, I'm very excited about this event, and I've been waiting for this to happen, it seems like, for months. And it's kind of like Christmas. You know, Christmas, you're just so full of anticipation, and it's almost here, it's almost here, and it takes forever to get here. And then when it finally does, it's like, oh my goodness, it, it's, it's, it happens so quickly, you know? Uh, Advent tends to just blow right by for me, although in the beginning of Advent, it seems like Christmas is forever away. And I feel the same way about this particular event. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm about as excited with, uh, I'm excited or as excited about this event as I am for Christmas. Hmm, have to think about that one. During this year of St. Paul, Catholics have harnessed the power of new media for worldwide evangelization. To learn how you can be a part of this, attend this year's Catholic New Media Celebration held in San Antonio on Saturday, June 27th. Hear from author Patrick Madrid and Father Dave Dwyer of the Busted Halo Show. Music by Sarah Bauer and network with Catholic new media professionals and consumers. Hosted by the StarQuest Production Network, this year's Catholic New Media Celebration promises to be bigger and better than ever. For details and registration, visit celebration.sqpn.com. That's right. The event I'm talking about is the CNMC, the Catholic New Media Celebration in San Antonio. Uh, It is this weekend. It's on Saturday, actually. Uh, I will be traveling there on Thursday and hope to meet up with, with you and with uh, a number of my favorite podcasters and bloggers, and uh, I just can't wait. Uh, I want to start out uh, the show by uh, just sharing a few thoughts on Chapter 3 of God Help Me, How to Grow in Prayer by, uh, by Jim Beckman. Uh, I've talked about this book now on uh, two episodes, Episode 21 and Episode 22, the last episode. Um, we're going to talk just a bit about chapter 3, and chapter 3 is entitled Straight to the Heart, and it is uh, the chapter that begins part 2 of the book, and part 2 is entitled, let's see, Understanding Prayer, Understanding Prayer. So uh, chapter 3 
straight to the heart, he is sort of setting down a, uh, a model of sorts. There's another word, it's not model, there's another word for it, but it, it's, uh, it's, um, he's trying to explain prayer, I, I guess, what prayer is. Systematic, I guess that's the, uh, the, the way to, to describe it. It's like a, a systematic explanation of prayer. And his whole point is that learning about prayer and what prayer is and how to pray uh, helps us to pray. And he mentioned how you know he'd been praying for years and years and had been involved in all kinds of ministry, but he felt like he really wasn't growing in prayer until, through this spiritual director that he, uh, he started to see, he began to learn some of the, the fundamentals of prayer in a systematic way. In other words, he was studying prayer, studying prayer, not just, uh, not just praying every day, not just uh, reading spiritual books that dealt with uh, devotional-type uh, material, but systematically studying prayer, what it is. And he talks about how that really impacted his prayer life and really helped him uh, to grow in prayer. So it's a systematic study of prayer. And he goes through some of the uh, some examples uh, of this, and he talks about especially the spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola and how that has impacted his life. And then he starts to talk about the human heart. And this is really the first thing he talks about in a systematic way. And he, he talks about uh, how the heart is the seat of man's collective energies, that uh, it is in the heart where God meets, uh, meets us, so and, and where God speaks to us. When we pray, that God speaks to us in the heart. And just a few thoughts on this. You know, um, heart is referred to many, many, many times in the Bible, and I can't remember... Uh, how many times. There, there is a place you can go and find out how many times heart is mentioned in the Bible, but I can't remember offhand uh, how many times. Anyway, um, it really is, the heart is really the place of the quest, the quest for God and the encounter with God, and that comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph 2710. So the heart is the place of this quest. It's a quest for God, uh, the hunger that we have for God, and the heart is where we encounter God. So to understand the heart is, apparently, it's very, very important. And he starts to talk about feelings, because when you think about the heart, you think about feelings. And he, he, he tries to make some distinctions, right? You have some feelings that are very much on the surface, like I'm hungry, or I'm mad, or I'm sad, things like that. They're, they're, they're surface feelings. They're feelings that we, we readily know when we're hungry. It's, it's easy to know. It's on the surface. If I'm mad, I typically know I'm mad. Uh, but there are deeper feelings, uh, things that are below the surface, things that happen in our hearts. Uh, and he talks about there, you know, certain thoughts and feelings and desires that happen on a relationship kind of level, a psychological level. So this is beyond just the surface, uh, surface uh, feelings. Now you're into the, the psyche, I guess, uh, like our memories and, and, and our relationships and uh, deeper thoughts, right, and feelings, uh, things that are a little more substantial than just I'm hungry or I'm mad, right? Um, and then there's a final level. There's another level that's even deeper, and he calls it like the spiritual level, and that's where God really 
speaks to us. And you have thoughts and feelings and desires, but one of the points he makes is that oftentimes we are totally clueless when it comes to those thoughts, feelings, and prayers. Totally clueless. Uh, because we, we're busy. Uh, we, we don't know, as a, as a culture in general, we have a hard time with silence, and we're very—we can't listen. We, we don't listen, and it's something where we really need to learn to listen. And my family is just now getting home, so I've got uh, kids running through the house and dogs running through the house, and so I apologize for any noise that you hear in the background. But um, So you have these deeper thoughts, feelings, and, uh, and desires. And, and when you talk about prayer and you talk about the heart and really encountering God, it's like we re- we've got to get in touch with, we've got to get in touch with this at, at the deepest level to kind of understand how God is speaking to us and, and leading us. So he spends some uh, time, a substantial amount of time in chapter 3 talking about uh, the heart and how to get in touch. Right? Matter of fact, he says, uh, our purpose here is to get in touch with those deep movements in our heart, to actually make contact with what's going on inside us. So very important. But he makes a note that you know our fast-paced life, saturation with media and electronics, and the wounded trust in many people combined is a formidable obstacle to what prayer fundamentally is, an intimate relationship. And he talks about the fact that prayer requires time. It requires knowing yourself, or at least a desire to know yourself, and it, it requires risk and honesty. Uh, the big one is time for me. Uh, the big one is time because I'm a husband and a father. I, I, I've, I'm a teacher. I am a, uh, a lay minister in my parish. I've got so much going on. Uh, I'm the Catholic foodie. I do the podcast and the, and the blog, and all this stuff takes time. And, you know, to really grow in prayer demands time. So that's, um, you know, that's something that I think we all have to, to kind of grapple with as well. When I was single and discerning the priesthood, or when I was a seminarian, I had all the time in the world. So I had like a really great, deep kind of prayer life. I had all the time in the world. And then, you know, once I got married and had children, it wasn't just, you know, my time didn't always belong to me. So... Uh, things began to, to change a bit. Anyway, uh, this is one paragraph he has in here in, in chapter 3 that I want to share with you because I think it's just so uh, powerful. It's just powerful. He says, God is trying desperately to get in touch with you at the deepest level of who you are. He wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. He wants to know what is going on in your heart. He already, I mean, he actually already knows you better than you know yourself. But for some strange reason, he delights in your telling him, in your relating to him, the deep longings of your heart, your dreams, your fears. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That God loves us as we are, that God loves us, and he wants us to share the deepest part of ourselves with him. And isn't that what we mean when we talk about an intimate relationship? That's what God wants, even though he knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But he still wants us to relate to him as a child would his father uh, in, a, in an intimate way, bringing all of our, 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 our joys, our, our cares, our sufferings, our, our worries, everything that we have deep inside of us to bring those and share those with him 
And I think that is just, um, you know, wow. It, it's something that just wows me. So uh, he also spends some time talking about, I guess, what he considers the, the heart of Ignatian spirituality, uh, the spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And he talks about uh, discernment of spirits, particularly the, the, what St. Saint, uh, Saint Ignatius refers to as consolation and desolation. And there's so much that can be said about this, so much that can be said about it. And he really sees this as a key element to growing in prayer and in the spiritual life. And I'll give you a little tidbit, because um, he, goes, he goes more in depth with this in uh, chapter 4, but in chapter 3 he's basically kind of setting it up for us, and he talks about, you know, consolation in, in, in the spiritual life is when we really feel God's presence. We, we feel blessed, we feel God's presence with us, we... Um, uh, prayer comes fairly easy, maybe not completely easy, but it's it's easier uh, when we're we're having this 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 consolation or we're in this consolation stage, um, and it's it's very different than when we experience desolation, and, and desolation is when we feel far from God, we feel separated from God. A prayer is extremely difficult. Um, it's hard to remember the consolation when you're in desolation. So it's, it's, um, it's tough. It's tough. And he, and he talks about how these, these periods of time of, of desolation can be uh, severe, very intense. And sometimes it's caused, I mean, desolation can be caused by our own sinfulness. It can be caused by uh, worldly uh, attachments. It could be caused because God is simply in our relationship with him uh, he, I don't want to say testing us, I don't, I don't want to say he's testing us, but in, in a way he is, he's, he's stretching us, that's a good way of saying it. He's stretching us so that we grow in our relationship with him. And what Jim reminds us of is that the spiritual life really is an ebb and flow. It's not static. We're not meant to live in a, in a, in a phase or, or stage of consolation all our lives. Just like real life, just like our physical life, our spiritual life also is going to fluctuate. It's going to ebb and flow. Uh, sometimes we feel very close to God, sometimes we don't. And we can stretch, we can really grow when in our times of desolation we don't give up. We don't just give up, we don't just give in, stop praying, which is what, I mean, I have to admit, many times in my life when I was in periods of desolation, uh, that's what I did. I, I felt like, what's the point, what's the use? I'm going to stop going to, you know, uh, adoration, for instance. At one point, I stopped going to adoration for a while because I sat in there and I, I felt so completely cut off from God, I, I I couldn't pray. So instead of really working with that and talking to God about it, I just stopped going. Um, so instead of giving up during the period of desolation to realize that this is an ebb and flow, that the period of desolation will end and we will come back into a period of consolation. So that's very normal in the spiritual life. Well, that's all I'm going to share about this uh, today. In the, the next episode, perhaps I will go on into uh, just, you know, share some thoughts with you from chapter four, which will include, since most of it is, or if not all of it, is about consolation, desolation. We may talk about that a little bit more. Well, 
I have promised you, I have promised you for at least two episodes that may have been longer than that, I can't remember, uh, to talk about red beans and rice. And, and red beans and rice is a staple here in uh, Louisiana. It's a staple food in Louisiana, and uh, it's just good stuff. And it's typically a Monday uh, meal, and so I want to uh, just share with you the recipe that I used recently, and uh, you can let me know what you think about it. It's good stuff. So the recipe in the book, the recipe the book gives you uh, is it serves about 12 people. And, uh, of course, you know, I, I, I doubled it. Actually, I had uh, two pounds of beans, so I just doubled everything. And I uh, yeah, started with uh, the Trinity, which is a, a common thing we do here in Louisiana. We start with the Trinity, which is onion, celery, and bell pepper. Uh, however, I guess I started with just a couple instead of the Trinity because uh, I didn't have any celery, which is... I mean, I, I like celery when it's cooked down in a recipe like this, but it, I didn't have any, so I didn't, and I just didn't miss it. Um, and then I added garlic, of course, because uh, I really love garlic. So I did change the recipe up a little bit. So I, I chopped the onion and the bell pepper, and I crushed the garlic, and then reserved all that, okay? Uh, and then usually for beans and gumbos, I would use andouille sausage, but when I went to the store, they didn't have any. So I just got some green onion sausage, uh, local. It's made locally, and there's no chemicals. There's no additives. There's no preservatives. There's nothing in this sausage that's not supposed to be in the sausage, right? Uh, so really good stuff. It's a little more expensive than, than other sausage uh, that's available, but I think it's worth it. There's no chemicals in it. It's great. Uh, so what I did is I rendered the sausage in a large all-clad pot uh, on medium-high heat. Uh, my goal really was to retain the fat from the sausage so that I could saute the vegetables in it. And, uh, you know, once the sausage was browned and basically cooked, I removed it from the pot and I threw in the onions and the, and the bell peppers. Uh, I sauteed them on medium high for several minutes until they became translucent. And then I added the crushed garlic. But I'm always very, very careful when I add garlic to veggies that are uh, sautéed. I... I I'm very cautious about that because it, it, garlic burns so easily. So, and once again, I remind you, I've said this before in other episodes, I, I don't chop garlic anymore. I just crush it. I crush it in the mortar and pestle because that's where you get, or how you can get the most flavor out of the garlic. So uh, I added the crushed garlic and I stirred often. And I didn't keep it in there for very long. Uh, I just, um, I only kept it in there for a minute or so. And I, and I kept some water, like a... a a measuring cup full of water uh, close by just in case I felt like the, the garlic was starting to burn. So uh, I sauteed for another minute or so and I poured the water in then returned the sausage to the pot and I added the beans. And, you know, I added enough water to cover the beans by a couple of inches. I tossed in some salt and Cajun seasoning, a bit of Tabasco and two bay leaves and figured that was enough seasoning for the moment. You know, it's hard to, to gauge sometimes how uh, the seasoning sits well when, you, when you're so early in the cooking process. So I plan on adding some more later, and that was uh, not a big deal. Anyway, brought the pot to a boil, lowered the heat, let it simmer for a good while, and then I checked back every now and then just to make sure the beans weren't sticking to the bottom of the pot, and I added more water if I thought it was necessary, which I ended up doing a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you like your beans. I like mine kind of creamy and, and juicy, so I tend to add a little more water than, than, uh, than I think most people do. And I also cook them down until it's just right. And and the way that you would make beans creamy, like this uh, recipe of red beans and rice, 
the way you make it creamy is by crushing some of those beans against the side of the pot. And I would I tend to crush a lot of the beans against the side of the pot. It just helps it to uh, to, to be ri- very creamy. So I simmered, you know, for just a few hours. Uh, and really, it's it's important to check back and make sure the beans aren't burning. And uh, as I said, I had to mention, I mean, I had to um, uh, add water twice. And uh, But when they were cooked, I just added chopped green onions on top and finely chopped parsley. And, uh, and that was it. I, I kind of let that sit for uh, a, f- a couple of minutes. And then I served the, uh, the red beans. And the way that we do that here in uh, South Louisiana, we, we serve it over a bed of rice. In uh, my family, we like brown rice, so we prepared this and served it over brown rice. And uh, it was good. It was very good. I think it would have been better had I used the andouille like the recipe calls for, and, and, and as I would normally do had the store not been out of it. But um, other than that, I think it was, uh, it was very good. Well, I would like to share with you three foodie websites, three sites that I uh, like to go to. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Food Buzz, foodbuzz.com. And this is a, I mean, I have a profile on here, and I will give you my uh, profile address if you want to check that out. I don't post to this as often as, uh, as I should. Uh, you can actually connect your blog to uh, this particular site and uh, as an RSS uh, link, and it will import my uh, blog post here. But I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I have to do that one recipe at a time, and that may be why I have, uh, I'm kind of slacking on that end. I've got a lot of other things going on. However, I really do like it. It's, just, um, it's almost like a Facebook for foodies, I guess you, would, you could say. It's, it's like a Facebook. Uh, it's, it's social networking, a social networking site, and uh, you've got a profile. You can set up a profile. Uh, you can post things. Uh, it keeps track of like your recent activity. You can post your recipes there. You can uh, look up and note your favorite restaurants. They've got lots and lots of restaurants from all over uh, the United States, and you know there may be maybe the world, but I haven't checked that part out yet. Uh, you can have friends. You can friend people, but I don't think they call it friending people. But that's basically what you do. Uh, they call it my foodies. So you can have uh, your your foodies that you uh, communicate with, that you uh, talk to, keep in touch with. Uh, check out their particular profiles and and look at their recipes. It's a community uh, website, and that's one of the things I really like about it. Uh, under your posts, you can uh, look up top posts, uh, things that that uh, have had a number of comments or, or whatever, you know, people who have commented on your posts. Uh, lots of recipes. You can put photos. Uh, there, there's news, news as far as uh, the food world goes. Uh, they also do spotlights on different... Uh, different foodies, different uh, people. One of the, the aspects I really like about this site is the, the fact that it does list all these restaurants. There's restaurants all over the place. Matter of fact, let me see. Let me go to uh, top restaurants here, and I'll read a few of these off to you. All right, when I look up uh, New Orleans, some of the famous restaurants in New Orleans uh, pop up. Uh, Galatoire's on Bourbon Street, uh, that pops up, and uh, Café Dumont. A lot of people know about Café Dumont, and matter of fact, uh, well, they serve uh, coffee, uh, café au lait, and uh, beignets. And I know that Father Seraphim Bashoner of Catholic Under the Hood had asked me uh, a little while ago, I guess maybe a couple of months ago, 
to talk about beignets. And I, I, I didn't go into like recipe or anything, but I did mention them in the show. We had stopped at uh, another location of Cafe du Monde uh, after, I think, a Mardi Gras parade and had some beignets. And they were very good, by the way. Uh, Commander's Palace is also listed here. Uh, Nola, which is one of Emeril Lagasse's uh, restaurants. Antoine's, uh, French Quarter, Deli, and Grocery. Uh, Court of Two Sisters, Emeril's New Orleans uh, restaurant, once again, an Emerald restaurant. Frankie and Johnny's, which I talked about before on uh, on the show. We went there, I think it was the, the, we had met Alton Brown at a book signing, and a couple of blocks away uh, was Frankie and Johnny's. So we left uh, saying goodbye to Alton and went right over and, and had some, uh, it's, it's like a neighborhood restaurant, really good neighborhood restaurant, classic New Orleans cuisine, uh, very good. So you have a lot of restaurants listed here under New Orleans. I, I can't see uh, a total on how many they are, but they're tons. And what's what's cool is you can go through and rate these restaurants if if you've been there. You know you can rate them, and also you can give you know write a review, or you can read other people's reviews. So that's a neat little feature on this website. You could check out a restaurant if you're going to another city, for instance, and you want to find out like you know you go into the CNMC in San Antonio, you want to find out where to eat. All you have to do is look up San Antonio, and it's got a list of the restaurants. It'll give you, uh, you could do it by zip code, so it'd be in the general area of where you want to, uh, where, where you'll be. And you can read other people's reviews and see if, hey, maybe I'd like to go to that restaurant. So I think, I think I'm going to do that. I'll check out San Antonio while I'm, while I'm at it. Well, not right this second, but maybe shortly. Another great uh, website is Recipe Czar. That's RecipeZar.com, and it's Czar, by the way, is Z-A-A-R, so it's RecipeZar.com. And this is also kind of a community site. It's, uh, it's sort of like Facebook for, for foodies. And you have here, I guess, two different types of membership. You can have a free account where you can do certain things, right? But if you wanted to really engage in the entire site, all the bells and whistles, then you need to get a premium membership. And a premium membership is $24.95, $24.95 a year. About the same price, I think, as a Flickr account. But recipes are is a good place to go. Even if you don't have an account, you can go there and look up recipes. And on their homepage, they have uh, today's features. And so here we've got, let's see, I think they've got four of them. The first feature is uh, top 25 recipes for summer grilling. And they give you a few examples here of what you could find in that post. Honey ginger grilled salmon, best grilled pork chops, and simple Caribbean jerk chicken. All that sounds yummy. Uh, another feature for today is, uh, is a southwestern sizzle. And this is a, a video series that you can, uh, you can check out on their site. It looks really good. It's like a, a, a party, a fiesta. Fourth uh, of July, they've got recipes for the upcoming Fourth uh, of July: fried chicken, hamburgers, summer salads, and sides. And it looks like the the picture they show here uh, for this post is a loaded hot dog. It looks pretty good. And the last feature is something called Cooking with Chef V, and apparently it's another uh, another video that you can watch of Chef V and see what she has to say about cooking. It'll list for you hot searches, what different people are searching for. 
uh, on that particular day. Like uh, we got chicken recipes, steak recipes, all these different uh, things that people are searching for. So you can see what people are, are, are interested in for that day. You can browse recipes by course or ingredient, cuisine, diet, occasion. Uh, they got one here for St. Patrick's Day, for instance, or Easter, Mardi Gras. Uh, and then preparation, like if you wanted to use a bread machine, for instance, or a crock pot. And I don't know if you know my history with crock pot, but we won't go into that here. Uh, you can do so. So let's say you wanted to use a grill, for instance. You could look up recipes by grill. Uh, if you want to look up casseroles, you can look up those. So uh, many different ways to look up recipes. They have just the basic search as well. If you're looking for something like a, um, you know, something to do with chicken, or if you have the name of a particular recipe you wanted to cook, you can look all that stuff up. But the cool thing about Recipes are is that it is a, um, a place where you can collect your recipes. Matter of fact, they have what they call here cookbooks. So you can basically set up an online cookbook of your recipes that you enter, and also recipes that you collect around the site. So if there's something that you want, you know, you run into uh, uh, Chef V, for instance, on, on her uh, profile, you see a recipe you really like, you can add that to your cookbook. Very cool. And premium members can have more than one cookbook. So you can have one that's just for uh, certain occasions or one that's just for grilling. Uh, so it's, it's, there's a lot of flexibility there for premium members. Uh, free members, just one cookbook. They also have uh, menus, set menus that different members have put together. And right now it says that they have 3,624 prepared menus, set menus. So if you want to look, let's say for Thanksgiving, you want to come up with an entire menu for Thanksgiving, you can go to Recipes R and look that up. That'd be pretty neat. Oh, and you can also uh, have recipes or your shopping list Send to your internet-enabled mobile phone. That's neat. If you wanted to set up your mobile phone, you can have you can come up with a menu, for instance, and it would uh, generate a grocery list and send it to your phone, so you don't have to write all that stuff down. That sounds that sounds very convenient. So that's recipes are in a nutshell. Uh, you may want to check that out at recipesr.com. And the last one that I'm going to share with you is foodista. So it's food and then Easter, right? Foodista.com. And it's it's called the, the Cooking Encyclopedia Everyone Can Edit. So this is almost like a, uh, I guess, like a wiki of sorts. It doesn't call it that. It doesn't say that it's a, a wiki. But the cool thing, one of the things I really like about Foodista are the, the photos. There There's so many great photos. And you can, let's say I'm looking right now at a picture of fried kibbe, which is, ooh, I love it. Uh... But if I had a picture that I took of fried kibbe, I could add it to the fried kibbe page too. So you may have 10, 20 different uh, pictures for uh, pizza, for instance, or fresh artichokes. Uh, it could be just about anything. So you can search recipes. You can search types of food, tools, techniques, uh, techniques, uh, so much stuff. Let's, let's look up garlic press and just see what happens here. Uh, garlic press, sure enough, garlic press... Uh, pops up as a tool. Uh, what about let's say garlic and what about garlic and shrimp? Let's look that up and see what happens. Garlic, shrimp. All right, garlic paprika shrimp, garlic skewered shrimp, garlic buttered shrimp, barbecue garlic shrimp, 
and on and on and on. It's great. Lots of recipes. Let's see how many popped up. 245 recipes popped up when I, uh, when I typed in garlic shrimp. On the homepage, if you are a blogger, this is neat. If you are a blogger, you can go to the homepage, and at the top right corner it says blogger tools. And what happens is you can set up these little widgets in your posts or on your blog that will give you a photo of a particular uh, recipe or a particular uh, food. I think on catholicfoodie.com I have used in the past uh, one of their pictures for pizza and one of the pictures for, uh, for steaks when I did the post about ribeyes. And it's there. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of food, and you get to pick one. If they've got 20 different pictures, you can pick whichever one you want. Uh, but it's also a widget. It's a link. So what happens, they put that into the, onto the blog, into the post, and it's, it's, you get the picture, and when they click on it, if someone clicks on it, it'll take you to the Foodista website with that particular recipe uh, on the screen. So that's, it's very convenient. It's a good way. It generates traffic as well uh, for if you're a blogger. That's a, that's a good thing. And uh, I like that. I like it's a it's a very good uh, tool. And they also have badges. You can put a badge on your website if you wanted to. Foodista, it's a link. Um, that uh, that's that could be helpful as well. Let's see techniques. What about let's look up kneading. So if you're going to knead some dough, look up kneading, and it has once again it comes right up uh, kneading. And what does it say? It talks about okay it, the process of thoroughly blending ingredients together in a dough. In an effort to evenly distribute yeast, the hands are usually the tool of choice for executing this technique. And there are two types of kneading, light and heavy. Light kneading is used for pastries and biscuits, while heavy kneading is used for bread. And they've got pictures here also of kneading. So very helpful. I, th I find it to be a very helpful website. Let's look up red beans and rice and see what comes up. Red beans and rice. Yep, there it is. Kidney beans, garlic powder, salt. What does it say? I clicked it. I missed that part. Oh, okay. Well, it says um, there's a, a, a Wikipedia-type uh, comment that is related to this, and it's uh, red beans and rice is an emblematic dish of Louisiana Creole cuisine, not originally of Cajun, Cajun cuisine, uh, traditionally made on Mondays with, a red beans, with red beans, South Louisiana red beans. That doesn't make sense, but hey, that's what it says. Uh, also, bell pepper, onion, and celery, spices like thyme, cayenne pepper, bay leaf, pork bones as leftover from Sunday dinner, cooked together slowly in a pot and served over rice, meat such as ham, sausage, most commonly andouille, andouille sausage, and, and tasso, or tasso, 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 ham, are also frequently used in the dish. It's an old custom from the time when ham was a Sunday meal and Monday was, was wash day. So a pot of beans could sit on the stove and simmer while the women were busy scrubbing clothes. Similar dishes are common in Latin American cuisine, including moros and cristianos and gallo pinto. Matter of fact, Steve Nelson of uh, On The You podcast sent me a recipe for gallo pinto. Uh, very good. I, I stuck that into my sous chef uh, recipe application. And let's see. Red beans and rice is one of the few New Orleans-style dishes to be commonly cooked both in people's homes and in restaurants. Many neighborhood restaurants continue to offer it as a Monday lunch special. 
usually with a side order of either smoked sausage or a pork chop. And while Monday wash days are largely a thing of the past, red beans remains a staple for large gatherings such as Super Bowl and Mardi Gras parties. Red beans and rice is also an important staple in, in Central America, where it is known as arroz con habichuela. Habichuela, I've never heard of that before. They're important in Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Haitian, and Jamaican cuisine. They're usually accompanied by any form of plantain snack, including tostones and fritos, chicken or meat. And in the Dominican Republic, it is common to pour olive oil on top of the dish. So some interesting stuff. That's uh, from uh, Wikipedia on red beans and rice, and they have that actually as, as part of the content on the red beans and rice recipe page on Foodista. So once again, I would love to, um, well, I love to use it, and I would uh, encourage you, if you uh, have looking for a recipe, looking for a certain way of doing something, dealing with food, check out foodista.com. All right, well, this brings us to the end of episode 23. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it, it was going to be a short episode. It is a short episode. I've got lots to do to get ready for the CNMC, which is, for me at least, two days away. I'll be leaving Thursday morning, so I have uh, some packing to do. I've got a few other things to kind of tie up, and uh, I, I want to get all this stuff done early so that tomorrow night, Wednesday night, I'm not frantically trying to put everything together and, and staying up really late and, and, and whatnot. So, a uh, short episode today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I want to remind you, if you uh, haven't yet done so, to go over to catholicnewmediaawards.com and vote for the Catholic Foodie. Uh, Catholic Foodie's been nominated in three uh, different categories. Best new blog, best new podcast uh, by a man. Or I think it's actually best new podcast. And then also best podcast by a man. So if you haven't done so yet, please go over to catholicnewmediaawards.com. You can only vote once. Uh, you have to sign up. It takes just a, a couple of minutes to put in your email address and get a password. And then you can vote. And there are all these different categories. And you can vote for all of your different uh, favorite blogs and podcasts. And I certainly hope that the Catholic Foodie is among those. Also, please do check out catholicfoodie.com. As I've mentioned before, there's uh, a lot of information, a lot of um, topics, things that, that I want to share that I just don't have time in the show to, to talk about. So uh, a lot of that goes onto uh, the, the website, onto the blog, catholicfoodie.com. So please check that out. I also want to remind you of our contest that's going on. Uh, this contest is for... Uh, some Greek seasoning. If you remember, I did go to the Greek Fest uh, just about, I guess it was about three or four weeks ago now, uh, the Greek Fest in New Orleans, and I kind of stocked up on all my Greek seasoning. And what I'd like to do is to uh, have a contest to give away some of that Greek seasoning to you. And you can, uh, how can you actually uh, get into the running for this Greek seasoning? Well, uh, by leaving feedback. Leaving feedback for the Catholic Foodie, it could be you know, what you think about the show, what you think about the Catholic Foodie overall, what you think about the website. Uh, it could be ideas that you have, suggestions, things you'd like to hear about. Uh, whatever it may be, whatever's on your mind, whatever you're, you're cooking, you know, what's going on in your kitchen, anything like that, if you want to share it with me, you can do so, and I will put your name in the hat to win the Greek seasoning. So how can you reach me? Well, you can reach me by email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. 
And you can also call the listener feedback line and leave a message there at numbers 985-635-4974. And I love voice feedback, so that's a, a huge hint. Uh, please give me a call, leave me a message. Uh, the good thing about the voice feedback is I get to play it on the show, so it makes things a lot more interesting, and, uh, and I, I get to hear from you, not just in written form, but I get to hear your voice. So uh, please do that. Also, don't forget to check out uh, the, the, the Facebook page, the Catholic Foodie Facebook page. Uh, just search for it on Facebook or at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, I have a link that will take you to the Facebook page, and you can join that group there. Uh, I, I post different interesting things that come across on the Internet. I'll post at the Catholic, uh, Catholic Foodie Facebook page, so check that out. Also, last thing, iTunes. Uh, I, I think by far the, the majority of people who listen to the show, the majority of people who download the episodes, do so through iTunes. And what would be awesome is if you could spend just a couple of minutes at some point. I know I'm asking you to do a lot. you got the, the Catholic New Media Awards. So after you, you do that one first, and then you can do the voice feedback, and then you can do this. <laughs> and this is going over to iTunes, just take a minute or two and leave a review of The Catholic Foodie. Uh, it helps us to, uh, to gain new listeners. Uh, it, it boosts us up in the rankings so that more people can hear about the show. And uh, it's, it's just it's a good thing to do. So please uh, consider leaving a review uh, for The Catholic Foodie on iTunes. And uh, that wraps it up. I'll leave Thursday for the CNMC, and I'm sure that uh, I'll have a chance to, uh, I hope I would have a chance to podcast from the CNMC. If I don't, then I will be uh, recording, uh, talking to all my favorite bloggers and podcasters, and I will have that to share with you when I return on Sunday. So until then, bon appetit.